It gives me great, great, great joy to come before you this morning and say to you, happy, happy, happy Easter to each and every one of you here this morning because it has been a long, long journey. For the last number of weeks, we've been exploring together what has been wrong in our world when we've looked at sin and brokenness and evil. And so it feels so good this morning to be able to come to you and say happy Easter as we explore together what is right in the world. And not only to come and say to you happy Easter, but to experience it together as well. Because again, for many weeks, we've been exploring the brokenness in our world, and now it is time to shift our focus and give thanks to God that this morning, the tomb is empty. Because today, we no longer talk about what's wrong, we talk about what is right. Today, everything changes. Today, we get to talk about what's right, what is good. Today, we talk about love conquering death. We talk about sin being defeated. We talk about victory reigning. We talk about life flourishing. We talk about tombs being empty. We talk about all that God is doing as God comes this day in the fullness of life, defeating death and bringing about resurrection. I don't do this too often, but today, to that good news, could I get an amen for that? That Thank you. Awesome. That is not for me. That's just to say, God, thank you so, so much that we gather in this place and explore the abundant life that you give. It is so good to be with you here on this Easter Sunday. But what is Easter Sunday all about? Contrary to popular belief, it's not about Easter bunnies and new dresses and yummy candy and chocolate, as fun as some of those things may be. Today at Easter, we recognize and we celebrate and we affirm the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today is the day that humanity comes and looks in the tomb and expected to see a dead corpse, only to be told, surprise, nobody's here. Or as the angel says in Matthew 28, verses 6 and 7, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, he is going on ahead of you into Galilee, or as we might say here this morning, into Williamsport. It's incredible. It is profound. If we try to think about it at all, it is absolutely mind-boggling. But I wonder as we proclaim this good news among us this morning, I wonder what impact it truly has on us. How real is this celebration? How real is the resurrection for us? Is the resurrection real? Is it a genuine celebration? Or is it just an opportunity for some Easter egg hunts and to dress up especially nice? Is it a day that we can come and declare Christ is risen from the dead and understand what that teaches us? Here's the primary thing I want us to get out of this day and as we gather together. I'm just going to put it right up front. When we look at these passages in Matthew 28 and 1 Corinthians 15, what they teach us is this, that Christianity is primarily, primarily the announcement of historical reality and only secondarily is it a way of life. I don't know if you were expecting me to say something like that or not, but I want to ask us to chew on that, that Christianity is primarily the announcement of historical reality and only secondarily is it a way of life. I appreciate the way Tim Keller comments on this. He says, Christianity is primarily the proclamation of a certain, of a particular world-changing event, of a historical event, and then only secondarily is it a set of principles to try to live into. Only secondarily is it a philosophy. 
And this is so critical for us to stress here this morning, and here's why. Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised, if that's not true, then our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. I want us to hear that this morning. Paul uses an interesting word here when he's sharing with us, when he uses the word preaching. Up into this time, into the point of history, there was no category of communication for what we today would call preaching. Paul and others had to find a word that conveyed that their message was more than the average news. The word they ended up using and sharing was the word preach. It comes from a Greek word called karux. And it means to be a herald. It means to be a crier. It means to be a news deliverer. And it's very different than the word we use for teaching. Teaching indicates the sharing of philosophy, to offer wisdom, to offer principles, to give some basic information. But people who were caruxes, they were news deliverers. They cried out what was new and significant among them. You're going to find this hard to believe, but there was a day when things like Facebook didn't exist. There was a day when Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram did not exist. There was no social media. So back in the day and back in biblical times, they had heralds. They had proclaimers of the news. That is people who would run out and proclaim in the middle of town or a gathering of people, listen up everyone, I've got news. Picture that kid from decades ago who'd run with the newspapers in hand to share the headlines of the day. They were a herald, a proclaimer of news. That's what the women in the gospel here are this morning. In verse 8 we hear, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. Something new has happened, and they are coming to proclaim it. They were heralds of a new news, something significant. And so really, these ladies in Scripture this morning, they're really the first preachers, the first caruxes, because they're the first one to proclaim this new news that reality is now different. Back in this time, when it came to news, they only had one kind of news. Today, we would call it hard news. That is the facts, like the deep stuff, the significant stuff, the stuff that impacted people's lives. Today, you and I have an option. We can listen to soft news or this idea of hard news. And you know what soft news is. Soft news is principle-oriented. It's self-help, feel-good stuff to make you feel better. Soft news is that heartwarming stuff at the end of a 30-minute news segment where they give you ideas on how to relax better, how to poach your egg perfectly, how to bake the perfect cake. Uh, soft stories or soft news are often those feel-good stories. So all of you who've been watching April the Giraffe give birth, it's a nice story. It's a fun, comfortable story. It's soft news. It doesn't totally matter if you pay attention to it or not. It doesn't really affect your life. Most of all, though, soft news involves this idea of these principles on how to live a more stress-free life, or again, how to change your diet and have more energy. But hard news is different. Hard news is based in reality. Hard news, if you don't choose to accept it, it's still going to affect you. Hard news is the stuff you must know because there is something happening that's going to impact us. So we hear things like, there's a new administration elected. There's a fire in this part of the town. The police department added or cut officers. There's a blizzard on the way. 
Schools added or cut teachers. Taxes are being raised or lowered. Those things aren't up for debate. They're really going to happen whether we choose to accept them or not. It's hard news. It affects us. We can't just ignore it. And hard news doesn't just merely suggest to us, it informs. Suggest implies to us that we can take it or leave it, but to be informed means you're receiving important information that's going to affect you. Think of an informant. The information they deliver is absolutely crucial. They depend on it. It's not to be ignored. And so today we live in a world where we can listen to soft news or hard news. But back in biblical times, there wasn't that choice. They only had hard news. So back in biblical times, no herald ever came along and said something like, well, now everybody listen up. Now the self-help portion of our news. Listen to what the philosophers in Athens are sharing about how to keep their stress down. Listen to what the experts are teaching on how to keep your toes clean all the time while you're always wearing open-toed sandals. They never shared things like that. They only shared news that was true or significant or was going to impact lives. So when these women came running from the tomb this morning and when they see that it's empty and later on when Paul preaches about it, what they are doing is sharing hard news. They're saying history is going to be different. Something significant has happened. Something that's going to affect everything. They're not just sharing a new philosophy, a new principle of life. They're not sharing just a feel-good story. What they're sharing is that something is happening, something with gravitas, something that's going to impact your life whether you choose to believe it or not. Jesus Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. Here's why that's significant. This is different than every other religion. Every other religion says, here's a philosophy to deal with your problems. Here are principles to reach a state of enlightenment or a better way of life. Here's wisdom on how to have less stress in your life. It's all soft news. Only Christianity comes along and delivers this hard news to say, world, everyone, listen up. Something has actually happened in history, something that we can't ignore. An event has occurred. God has entered into history and done something. Jesus has lived and died and risen again, and the world is different. Jesus is not just a concept to follow, but rather someone who's done something, and that is good, hard, wonderful news. It is first proclamation of what Christ has done. It is hard news before it is secondarily a way of life and principles to follow. Today, there's lots of advertisements and books out there sharing philosophies on bread of principles of how to live better, you know, how to deal with things like anxiety and stress or how to lose some weight. And, and that's fine. Those are good things. But Christians, because of today... Because of the resurrection, because of what these women come and proclaim, we have news. We have a new reality, and it's going to affect how we live and our perspective and every part of who we are. We cry out, we herald, Jesus Christ is risen. The resurrection has occurred. Human beings often struggle with what we can't fully explain. So if we can't fully explain how Jesus' heart was stopped, but started to beat again after death in the resurrection, if we can't explain how his lungs once again became filled with air, we struggle. And when we struggle with these hard news in reality, what we do is we turn from hard news to soft news. And it becomes easier in our hearts and minds to say, I'm not so sure about the resurrection, but you know what? Just tell me some nice principles. 
Tell me some good things to do. Be nice. Love others. Sacrifice. I, I can accept that, those soft news principles. But if we do that when it comes to Jesus, what is the principle of Jesus rising from the dead if it's not true? That new beginnings come? That even nature shows us that after the winter comes the spring, that life follows death? Folks, that's not what these ladies are proclaiming this morning. They're proclaiming hard news. Something happened, something that will affect and change everything, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he defeated even death. Just because something is miraculous does not mean it's not real. What this means is that we can choose to accept or reject the hard news of Christianity, but as Keller says, we dare not emasculate the truth by taking the guts and the heart out of it, by reducing the hard news of the resurrection to the soft news of principles to live by. At one time, religious people were almost only the wealthy and the rich. You know why? Because only the wealthy and the rich had the time or the leisure to sit back and contemplate life and truth and the philosophies of life. The average person was just working so hard to make it to the next day, they didn't have time or leisure to think about things as luxurious as religion. Only the rich could literally afford to think about religion. But then Matthew 28, 6 happened, and we hear, He is not here. He has risen just as He said, event, resurrection, hard news, reality, truth. Christianity wasn't just proclaiming a general set of soft news principles, it was proclaiming a new reality that could not be ignored, something that was moving and happening among them. And what was the result of that hard news? The first converts to Christianity were not the rich, but the slaves, the dregs of society, those without hope, and they were utterly, totally transformed. And once people saw that transformation, the church began to grow because people would look at those slaves and say, my goodness, look how they changed. What changed them and transformed them? It wasn't a set of principles. It was a new reality, the resurrection. And it wasn't just those ladies who saw the risen Lord who experienced the hard news. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us over 500 witnesses saw the risen Christ. People don't have hallucinations in groups. It's hard news. And Christianity then began to spread like wildfire. That can't be refused. It's hard news. Imagine if the Apostle Paul or those ladies had come running from the tomb this morning and they said they were all excited and people looked at them and said, what's going on with you? Why are you so excited? Why are you so happy? Imagine if they would have looked at those people and said, let me tell you why I'm so excited. Have I got news for you? I have the answer to all of the hopelessness in your life. And here it is. After the winter comes the spring. <laughs> Doesn't nature teach you that eventually life will come? Doesn't nature teach you that in every cloud there's a silver lining? Be happy with me and kind and just open up your mind a little bit more and join me in this philosophy of life and peace. And if you can do that, that'll just change everything and you'll figure out how to get from today to tomorrow. Really? What kind of sugary, sweet, self-help soft news principles are going to change the person who's just trying to figure out how to make it to tomorrow? What difference will it make in the long run? That's not what these ladies are proclaiming here this morning. They are proclaiming the result of an empty tomb. And there's absolutely no way to account for the existence of the Christian church unless, unless the resurrection is true. 
this life-changing altering of reality, this event that has occurred, that God comes into history, that he's born and died and lives again so that you and I can experience a new reality together. That's what changed those early people and those slaves, and it's still what changes us today. And yet, even for many of us, as we gather here, as we watch online this morning, for many of us, the temptation is still to come even now and prefer the hard news. Many of us still just want some nice principles to follow, something to sprinkle on life and make it a little bit better, something with our nice Easter outfits and Easter bunnies to just make it a nice, pleasant day. My, even, my kids even showed me an app recently, and I appreciate it. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's literally called a sprinkle of Jesus. And so they read a nice little saying on a frequent basis of, of Jesus and a nice kind of like reflection. And that's good. I'm, I'm glad they're looking at that. That's for sure. But when all of us come along and we just sprinkle a little Jesus on our problems or, Jesus, I'm having an irritation. I need a little of you here. Jesus, I can't sleep. I'm going to sprinkle a little of you there. Jesus, I need to lose weight. I'm going to sprinkle a little of you here. I need a little more comfort, Jesus, sprinkle you there. Somehow when we do that, we shift from the hard news to the soft news and the principles. But Christianity says if Christ is raised, there is lots for us to learn in the face of suffering and anxiety and death. But if Christ is not raised, then life stinks because there is no hope. Death still wins. Then our preaching says Paul is useless. Here's the point. If we understand proclamation first, this reality-changing stuff, because of the resurrection, the tomb is empty, then we realize even death cannot hold us down. It's not a suggestion. We're being informed, and that changes everything. It means those ladies running from the tomb, they can, dare we say, laugh at death because death has lost its grip. Death has lost its power. And Paul can laugh in the face of death. And church, when we realize the resurrection, so can we. Only Christians have this unbelievable ability to handle worry and anxiety because they can look at the most powerful force against happiness, that is death, and they can have real hope in the very face of it. Why? (laughs) Because Christ has defeated death. That's why Paul later in this chapter says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It's almost like he's taunting death because death doesn't have a hold anymore. See, when we realize that even death has been defeated, we can then handle any worry, any stress, any anxiety that's thrown our way. We had thought nothing could stop death. Death had a 100% victory rate against humanity until Jesus. And now today we come and we proclaim resurrection, Jesus alive. Death was swallowed. Jesus who now brings death to death. Hard, good news. I was talking with one of you just in the last week or so. You shared with me that a very close loved one of yours has just been diagnosed with cancer. And that's a reality all too familiar for so many of us in different ways. People that we know and love who have dealt with or are dealing with that awful C word. And when we hear the word cancer, we often fear the worst because we wonder if death isn't very far behind. An initial test showed that for this particular individual that the cancer could indeed be serious. 
So I asked the person I was talking to, how was their loved one dealing with this news they've just received? Were they afraid, scared, anxious? How were they? And you can imagine my surprise when the person that I was talking with said that when they asked the one diagnosed with the cancer that very same question, that person's response to them was, honey, you know that God's got this. You know that. It's okay. Wasn't denial. Wasn't putting their head in the sand. It was genuinely no fear of death. None. Why? Because when you know someone and you follow someone that even death could not keep down, when you follow someone who has burst forth from an empty tomb, when you follow someone who's been resurrected, you're not going to let a little thing like cancer worry you. Because you know the one who's defeated death. He's got this. And that gentleman was right. We know that. And today, these ladies, they proclaim it. So friends, do we believe, do we know the risen Christ? Do we understand? I pray that today we receive the hard, good, wonderful brand new reality changes everything news that the tomb is empty the resurrection has occurred and christ is alive so it gives me great joy to say to you all today happy easter happy easter amen